I have read that I believe 34 is the age where you like your brain kind of passes the point of no return in terms of like wanting new things or liking new things. Oh, I, no. I don't know how old you are, Brendan. But... I just turned 34. I'm two years in and all I listen to at the moment is Zach Brown band. I mean, I like I'm them, sorry. but I don't know. I'm ready for the rest of my life. Building a community with Dennis Benelli. Hey, Mark Stedman of Podiant. Hello, Brendan Hutchins of the Podcast Advocate Network. And welcome, Jenna Spinelli, for, uh, from Democracy Works Podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I could have said that with more uh, enthusiasm. <laughs> could have said that within the, with the enthusiasm that I felt, which is, which is capacious. Uh, so I'll try that again. It is a great pleasure. I've been speaking all day, so I think I've lost all of my uh, ability to exude any kind of emotion. <laughs> Are you burned out of speaking? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yes. Ah, what an interesting topic to uh, do a run of podcasts on. Um, do you want to tell us um, a bit about uh, what you what you do, um, Jenna? Sure. Uh, so as you guys mentioned, I work on a podcast called Democracy Works. Um, it is produced by the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State University. And in, um, in conjunction with WPSU Penn State, which is Central Pennsylvania's NPR station, um, as you might guess from the name, the show is about democracy. Um, we uh, Every week we look at a different part of what it means to live in a democracy. So whether that's you know voting or gerrymandering or the free press, uh, our most recent uh, episode, at least as, as of when we record this, it's about local governments and um, how that's kind of the, the training wheels for a democracy in, in some respects, um, economic inequality, um, all types of things. Um, I Each episode uh, starts off with um, my co-hosts, Michael Berkman and Chris Beam. Um, they both have PhDs, so they kind of assume a bit of a, a professor-like role. They explain the topic and kind of set the stage. Then I do an interview um, with the guest, and then Michael and Chris come back in at the end to, to wrap things up. Um, we started the show last spring, uh, March of 2018, and we've been having a lot of fun with it so far. Um, we, we like to say that democracy is a growth industry right now. Um, if you've been in a bookstore lately or at the library, you've probably seen tons of, of books related to democracy. Um, and we thought that there was an opening in the, the podcast space to, to do the same thing. And it turns out there was. So we've been, we've been having a lot of fun with it so far and, and are pleased um, with the, the traction it's, it's picked up. At the risk of asking the obvious question, uh, is any of this a response to the current political climate? Call it that. Oh, sh- sure. I mean, I think a lot of people... Um, it, maybe saw that, it, you know, institutions and, you know, parts of, of government and democracy that they had taken for granted maybe weren't as stable as, as they thought. Um, and we're not, mm-hmm. we, we say at the front, we're not, we're not a partisan show. We don't do hot takes on the news. We're not trying to be mm-hmm. pundits. We're really trying to get back to some of the more foundational elements and do so in kind of an educational way. Um, so people kind of maybe take in, democracy and and what it means to live in a democracy for granted so in order to to really understand it and and be active and engaged it's it's helpful to understand some of those more foundational elements absolutely i think a really great um uh example of that is uh, a recent episode with astra taylor Mm -hmm. on her uh documentary what is democracy yeah she's great that was 
Yeah, that was a great primer into, I think, both your podcast and the idea of how you're trying to explain democracy. Yeah, and it's, it, it's tough, you know, and I, and I think one of the nice things is that there is no one common definition. So um, that's, I think, what we could keep doing episodes forever and ever, mm-hmm. I think, because it's something that, you know, we as you know, humanity has been wrestling with for 2000 plus years now, and we still haven't kind of entirely figured it out. But that struggle is what really makes for some great, interesting and, and, and engaging conversations. Absolutely. So who who ultimately are you making the show for? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. Um, we've we have so we are based at at a university, as I said, and I think at the start, we thought that it would be um, an alumni type of audience or, or using, you know, college graduates as our, our demographic, you know, maybe someone who, you know, graduated from college and has a day job doing something that's not in government or, or politics or what have you, but they're concerned and engaged and maybe want to kind of keep up on, on what's happening. So that was our, our target, um, at the beginning. And we, we've certainly, um, have reached some of that. We've, we've also seen a lot of interest, um, from other faculty at other universities who are using episodes in their classrooms. Um, nice. yeah, the, and, uh, about a week or so ago, I got this, the sweetest note from, uh, the, the, um, activities coordinator at, uh, senior center. Um, it's about two hours from, from where our campus is. Um, she had heard an, a, a radio interview my co-host and I did, um, back in the fall. And she, she wrote to me to say that she's been playing our show for her residents who themselves are a lot of retired, uh, university professors and, you know, business people, things like that. Um, and she actually invited us to come down and speak to them, um, later this spring. So, um, you know, that was an audience I had never thought about at all, really, but, um, it, it, it makes sense. You know, this is the generation that grew up listening to the radio. So, you know, once you kind of get past the technical barrier of how to listen to a podcast, the fact that they like mm-hmm. like the content and the format, I think, really makes a lot of sense. That takes me back to one of our early episodes that we had, and I was tr- I'm trying to remember who our lovely guest was uh, that we that we spoke to, um, and we were talking about sort of all of us gathering around the horn um, mm-hmm. to to listen to a podcast. Ariel, listen by yes, there you go. Thank you. Um, and so it is. It's lovely to know that. Uh, that there are still, you know, there are very much pockets uh, of people that do that and, and are getting great enjoyment out of it. So um, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of people um, getting, I mean, is is it something that you, that people are going to sort of shake their fist and why I order at, at, at their um, at their streaming device? Or I, I guess it's not because you're not trying to be divisive, are you? You're trying to explain topics and, and explore them yeah. rather than get people's hackles up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we're not trying trying to be be partisan or, you know, yell about Donald Trump. And in fact, he rarely comes up in, in our show. Um, yeah, I think mostly make people explore or you know kind of pique people's interest so that they want to delve more into a topic maybe provide a refresher on something that you might have covered in a a high school or college class but completely forgotten about um there's a lot of references to the federalist papers and uh alexis de tocqueville and um those kind of things that um people have probably heard of but maybe haven't spent a lot of time kind of really thinking about absolutely so Considering, you know, speaking of Donald Trump and uh, since he is the um, cartoon uh, 
elephant in the room <laughs> considering the the political parties um and the topic of burnout for this season um how how is producing a podcast that is political based in this climate right now or any climate uh how does it affect any burnout that you feel as you're producing the podcast or working with your co-hosts? Yeah. I mean, so at the beginning, you know, with the, the three of us would send around articles to each other, you know, every mm-hmm. time a different headline broke, like, Oh, we should do something on this. We should do something on this. And we quickly realized that was not at all sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we decided to maybe look instead for trends among what's happening. Um, so, you know, for example, um, right in the months after the, the Parkland shooting um, last year, we started to see yeah. uh, an increase in companies coming out and taking taking a stance in, in favor of gun <laughs> yeah. control or, you know, things like that. And so um, we kind of watched that for maybe a month or so and then decided, OK, let's let's do something on this. And we, we interviewed a, a professor in our college of business here at Penn State about kind of this increase in corporate activism and the increasing demands from consumers, especially younger consumers, that um, their their companies take a, a political stance or kind of supporting companies that take a political stance, like Patagonia, for example, kind of coming out um, mm-hmm. against some of the things that the Trump administration wanted to do to national parks. Um, so, you know, kind of looking for those those broader trends and then trying to connect it back to, okay, what does it mean in a democracy, if companies are increasingly becoming players in the field. So um, trying to get like above the like day to day news grind and look for those kind of higher level trends is, is how, um, where we kind of settled, but to, to do that. And I think to, to bring it back to burnout, you know, you still have to wade mm-hmm. through all of, you know, everything that yeah. that's coming out all the time to be able to, to see those trends or to kind of, know what what might be salient or not so um that's something that you know we all kind of struggle with and um been trying to to read more books too i know i've heard a couple of other other people talk about this um as a, a burnout coping strategy but um as i as i said before there's tons of books about democracy out there right now and there's a whole you know book podcast guest ecosystem feedback loop um try not to, to do too too much of that um because we try to be more topic based as, as opposed to just having people on to talk about their books but um i think there's some good kind of material in there particularly for chris and michael and their kind of analysis they can draw from from what other other scholars and other people who are writing are, are saying as as listeners of this uh of series will well, no, I've been um, sort of planning, kind of burnt out, not really uh, able to start a political podcast of my own. And it between the previous episode and this one, it has pretty much uh, all but died out. Um, actually, no, I, I, I shouldn't even say that. It is it is completely dead. Um, it, the the prospect of of finding topics and and being on point for the position um debating debating the politics with my fellow co-hosts and it was just the the, the idea of it alone um been preparing this podcast for a year and a half and i just, and the, the whole time has just been 
it's been too much. So I, I admire that you've been, I think you said you're, you're on season three now of Democracy Works. Yeah. So we, we kind of follow the, the academic calendar. So, you know, every semester we'll, we'll, we, we, we've been calling a season, take a couple of, of weeks off in between. But no, I, I hear you, man, about the, you know, kind of trying to, you know, come up with these opinions. You know, I, I, I do watch, mm-hmm. you know, cable news and other things. And I'm always amazed mm-hmm. at how these people can just kind of do this stuff oh gosh, on yeah. demand or even, <laughs> You know, people writing all these takes in in the Atlantic and Vox mm-hmm. and all these other places. Like, mm-hmm. how do they just come up with this stuff like on command and on the fly? And it's it's a definitely a, a a unique skill set and one that I don't know that I'll ever have. There's going to be a big book of takes somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> just you know, yeah. Um, pull some from here, some from there. Put them together, like a spin like the a wheel Mad and Lib. find yeah. out what you get to have an opinion on on today. Yeah. Um, on that topic, actually, like, how do you so? Do you listen to the um, audience uh, at all when it when it comes time to to think about what topics to discuss? Are people reaching mm. out to you and saying you should be talking about this? Yeah, we we have heard from a few people actually. So there's um, our, our suggestions have have mostly come well two areas. So one, we have a lot of international listeners. Um, state of democracy around the world is not super great right now in 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 a lot of places. So um, we've heard from people in in other countries. Um, saying, hey, you should really talk about what's going on here. Our first, our, all of our episodes that have been released to date thus far have been very U.S. focused. So we're getting ready to, to launch um, a series looking at the state of democracy in Brazil and Hungary and um, France and the U.K. Maybe we'll add some others onto that as we go forward. But um, that's really been a learning experience for all of us Um Michael and, and Chris are both kind of U.S. politics scholars, so um, we, as as they say, we've been learning along with our, with our guests. Um, so that's one area that we we heard feedback. The other is that there's um, a, a whole ecosystem of what's known as deliberative democracy. Um, so you know, ways to give citizens direct impact into their government. So. Um, you know, ballot initiatives um, are, are are one example of this. There's an organization called Participatory Budgeting that um, works with cities and towns to give people who live in those places control over some portion of how that that municipality's budget is spent. And so there's all types of of experiments and and groups that are are working on these types of things, um, kind of taking a lot of the like machinery of of politics and of parties out of things and putting putting control directly in the hands of, of the people so um we've had a couple people write to us um with suggestions of different variations of of these things that are happening throughout the country um and, and that's maybe another series where we're going to look at doing is you know what are these different experiments how are they working um what are people saying about them what is you know how does it tie into democracy more broadly. Um, so that's something that I had no idea about before I started this role and started working on this, this show. So it's been great to see um, all these little pockets of, of activity that are happening that you don't often hear about because everything gets drowned out by the takes and the punditry and, and all of that that kind of crowds our feed every day. So you talked about um, obviously getting uh listener feedback where how 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 is that gathered um you know are you is this a facebook group twitter email how how are people um getting in touch um mostly it's been through the contact form on our website 
Um, we have, we have had a, had a, a few people reach out to us through, through Facebook and Twitter as, as well. But, um, we, we try to be good at the end of every show about directing people to, to contact us through the site. And so, um, that, that's mostly been where it's come, where it's come from. Oh, okay. Cause that, then, you know, that, that's means you haven't so much got a community that you've got to then police. It's not like a, you know, a, a subreddit that you've got to, um, keep people in line or, or anything. Yeah. No. And I mean, we've, we've thought about that. I know that's, I, I mean, I'm in a lot of podcasting communities and that's one of the like perpetual questions I feel like I see come up daily almost is, Hey, do you have a separate community, a separate page, a separate whatever for your show? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we don't right now. Um, it's something I've thought about starting, but, um, you know, frankly, just haven't had the the time to really, you know, make the show and do all these other things kind of related to it. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get there one day. I think it would be great to have a place where people could have discussions, for example, or, you know, maybe we have some type yeah. of like back channel conversation, um, after each episode airs, um, I don't know if you guys are involved in the the podcast brunch club at all, or or have heard of that group. Um, yeah, I'm actually a, a moderator or a kind of a, a co lead on an online chapter of that group that's just oh, kind nice. of getting off the ground, and I've really enjoyed that experience. Just talking about podcasts when with other other people, you know. In this case, it's it's around the world because we're just we meet online, but um, you know, I really like that, and I think that there could be potential for that with with our show um to kind of figure out the the best way to make it happen yeah that makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense that you direct people to uh contact form on Mm -hmm. your website because you also have more control over that Mm -hmm. in terms of like what fields they fill out Mm -hmm. and and, um i think the information that you'd want to get from them Mm -hmm. as well starting your own community uh i've done a few of them like I, i have uh my own slack for the podcast advocate network um i've done some you know dif- different facebook groups and and other stuff and obviously you know facebook accounts and twitter accounts and all the rest um they're all they all have their unique challenges and they're all uh uh difficult to get you know off the ground and and get going if you're if you're not like really diving into it and spending a lot of time really trying to build it up mm-hmm. then it um it can get to this point where it doesn't feel like it goes anywhere and kind of feel almost like depressing and and sad uh, yeah and i and i mean you know, to to talk about burnout i feel like i get burned out on all that stuff too sometimes yeah. you know it's just it's the it's really hard to kind of keep keep up with what everybody's saying and always, you know, looking for opportunities to promote your show, but not being that person that's like, Hey, look at this thing I'm doing. Why don't you come listen to it? (laughs) You know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And that's a great point. I'm in a couple, I'm I'm in like probably a dozen different um, podcasts directly related slacks. Mm -hmm. And there's a few of them that have like the promotions uh, channel Mm -hmm. where you can, just and and inevitably in in each of the different ones there's one person that keeps hanging on and like yeah I'll keep posting my my mm-hmm. new episode every week and it's just the channel of their posts right and Nobody's not a whole bunch looking. of them <laughs> exactly exactly Nobody's reading them nope it's it's really true yeah. I, I I am still I think I think we've had this uh, discussion before but I think um it's worth repeating yeah um they get set up because if they didn't someone would say you should have a section to promote your stuff <laughs> that, and that's the only reason they exist it's it's to stop someone <laughs> yep. saying where can i promote my stuff and then if you're on the you know the the podcaster support group you've still 
poor Helen's got to mm-hmm. be there a couple of times a week and said, please wait until Friday when you can post about your specific episode. Right. Mm-hmm. And then 355 people do. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yep. I mean, more power to anybody that looks through all of those those threads. But mm-hmm. um, or any of them. Yeah. yeah, there's probably some hidden gems in there. But yeah, no one's looking. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, I have I have gone through some of them here and there and listened mm-hmm. to some episodes uh usually they're 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 smaller threads that are more more niche and specific like i'm in um mm-hmm. uh podcast portland uh facebook group and so there's like mm. you know half dozen of us that are really active um at any given time and so i'll check out some of the local podcasts around here sometimes um it's a that's a fun way to find out what's near you and it's not always easy to find that when just searching around online oh, sure. because location isn't really a big factor in uh, what somebody's talking about within their, with about mm. their podcast. Mm-hmm. And so um, trying to, yeah, that, that, but that's about it. Like yeah. all the, all the slacks, all the reddits, all the Facebooks. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the, just a mess. Um, the other thing I'll do sometimes is um, on, on Reddit in particular, I'll just do on those big threads. I'll just do, you know, a, a, a search or, you know, control F for, government politics mm, mm-hmm. just to see if you know anybody else is out there doing something similar that that, that i might want to collaborate with and i have actually found a few nice. kind of like-minded shows that way so uh, yeah it's one one tip i think for you know to, to the point of building community too i think just finding other people that are trying to do the same thing and yeah. you know i feel like every not every day maybe once a week i find a, a, a different show out there about civics or about government or about policy or something that's kind of in our general orbit or a show that's produced at another college or university um, that we can start doing promo swaps or other trades or things like that um, I think that's m- much more effective um, than just, yeah, trying to like continually get on these like big threads or, you know, kind of these, the, the, the larger level things. Um, I- I'm interested in the mechanics of how you go about approaching someone to do uh, some kind of collaboration with, whether, whether it be a promo mm-hmm. swap or, a, uh, you know, just a mention mm-hmm. or, you know, them, them guesting on, like, how, how do you reach out? How does that conversation actually happen? Yeah, so um, usually I'll just kind of try to go on, go on the, the, the website for the show, um, send them an email. I try to tailor what I'm asking based on the kind of level of, popularity of their show in relationship to ours right so mm-hmm. um you know if it's somebody that seems like it's you know kind of at the same level maybe it's an even like you know we air an episode of their show they air an episode of ours um there's there's a podcast called trump on earth um i actually met met the the producer there um at at podcast movement last year but um they're in pittsburgh pennsylvania which isn't far from us um so we ended up doing an an episode swap um they talk about environmental issues and the the trump administration um but again not in like a, a partisan kind of way um there i wrote that's got to be difficult (laughs) (laughs) that's a balancing act yeah yeah yeah. no they 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 do a great job of it and i i would encourage anybody Mm -hmm. to to check out um trump on earth um i found uh through one of our guests i found um her alma mater at at american university they do a show kind of in the same vein as democracy works but looking at global issues it's called big worlds produced by american university 
Um, so I recorded a 45 second clip to put at the end of their episode that's out now. Nice. Um, they're going to send me a clip. Um, there have been some other like bigger type of shows where, um, so this, this example, this, the uh, episode you mentioned um, before Brendan about local government. Um, there's a mm-hmm. couple of other podcasts that specifically talk about local government. So I sent them the link to our episode and I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to link to you in our show notes under like other local government podcasts you might nice. enjoy in exchange for that. Could you maybe like tweet our episode or something? And, and they did. Um, so just kind of depends on, on what the situation is, but I think everybody's kind of in the same boat in terms of like, we're all looking to build an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think for listeners too, if they can, it's, it's so overwhelming to try to go on to, you know, whatever your podcast app of choices and, and wade through everything. And, you know, the algorithms are good, but they're not going to get everything. So, um, you know, anything that, that we can do to kind of help each other out and getting, getting a captive audience, um, people who are already listening to shows. Um, you know, I think I'm also pretty lucky in that, I am at a fairly large university um, that has, you know, half a million alumni and 50,000 students. Um, so we're just really starting to scratch the surface of trying to get into that kind of market as well. Yeah. Do you do, you do any like um, on boots on the ground, try to activism, trying to get people to listen, like handing out flyers or cards mm-hmm. or stickers? or Yeah. So um, we have we have flyers up um, all around campus and in and, and, nice. and cards as well. We've done a couple of alumni events. Um, oh, cool. You know, tailgates and, and, and things like that. We'll go in and you'll pass out cards, um, you know, networking type of events. Um, nice. we've met with some alumni in other cities like Washington and, and Philadelphia and uh, New York. Um, but that, again, that's, we're just really at the kind of beginning stages of that. And, and I think too, um, I'm really excited about the ways that universities can leverage their students and their alumni to bring new people into podcasting as a whole, you know, mm-hmm. you yeah. know as, as I'm yeah. sure you guys know, like a, only a quarter of the population or so listens to podcasts regularly. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe a, a podcast produced by your alma mater is like your foot in the door, you know, and who knows where yeah. you'll go from there. So, um, you know, I remember hearing some of those, those stats at, at podcast movement last year and, and thinking about, you know, oh wow, we we really might be able to like move the needle on some of this. It's just um, like a lot of things. Universities are big, complex bureaucracies, and kind of figuring out how to actually make that happen. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. When when you were talking about doing your um, promo swaps and and getting um, you know tweets in exchange for show notes and that kind of stuff, it reminded me of uh, previous guest Dan Meisner's. Um, Hmm. Uh, newsletter they just uh, talked about a uh, they just released an article about how those promo swaps really work and really help engagement i haven't read the article yet but <laughs> i don't have the details oh, on it oh yeah was, uh, was well, it about like like hacker shows or something was that what? yeah 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 
And, um, and so we'll link to that. It is linked in the show notes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what, what I also always come back to, even though that, that can help and, and cross promote and get more listeners between those two shows and, and, and grow the audience a little bit more. It's really like you were saying, getting new people into podcasting in general, because there's three quarters of the, the world that doesn't, uh, doesn't even listen at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, Listeners who have been uh, with us for the, the last few episodes will know that I I was gently um, bullied into um, exploring <laughs> uh, a podcast idea last uh, last week and um, or last week when we recorded and uh, in doing some of the research for that I was really surprised at what an absolute state some of the um, Apple podcasts categories uh, that the charts are in right now. Oh yeah. Um, for example, you know, specifically the kids and family section I was looking at. I mean, I started with Spotify because I just happened to have the Spotify app in my hand at the time. Um, and then I thought, well, I, sh- I should, I should go to the grown up, you know, the, like the, the big boys and, and <laughs> see, see what the, the, the master list, you know, says, this is what all the apps use. It's the man. And, Oh, good grief. Certainly in the UK, it was a, it was an absolute mess. Um, there were almost no kids for, uh, no podcasts for actual kids. Um, it was all podcasts about kids and that's not what the chart is for. Hmm. And, um, so in in that age where discovery is actually getting even harder, <laughs> especially if you're, you know, um, I would say independent, but I, I don't s- strictly necessarily mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, solo or small groups of people. But if you're mm-hmm. not backed by a, a, a you know, a, a, a large network with advertising funding and all the rest of it, then using those boots on the ground grassroots ways of marketing your show, regardless of whether you are um at a university which has access to hundreds of thousands of listeners you've still got to do that that boots on the ground work to um to to get people in and you know effectively that kind of word of mouth stuff that that promo exchange stuff that is as old as the internet itself still works Mm -hmm. it's web rings all the way down i'm obsessed with web rings i've brought them up before i'm going to bring the web ring back podcast web ring i love it it's definitely going to be a thing pod rings i i i (laughs) wholeheartedly endorse the idea anyway get the no, get the domain yeah i was gonna say yes. go, go park that twitter account right now <laughs> not another one <laughs> at some point my password manager is going to say dude you've got too many twitter accounts stop it at once do you have any hang-ups in like podcasting as a whole as like is there something about podcasting that you wish was different or improved so on the one hand you know, i i mentioned the kind of book podcast mm-hmm. feedback loop before and on the on the on the one hand I, I do I, I have found books I like that way but on the other hand I feel like it's really easy for interviews just to become really rote and you know people just to like okay well tell me you know you talk about this in your book can you explain mm-hmm. that oh and then you make this point mm-hmm. can you explain that um, I, I feel like it's, it's just an easy kind of trope to fall into as as an interviewer so that's that that's a pet peeve sometimes, and maybe it's. I also acknowledge it's it's maybe just the the circles I travel in, and it's, I listen to a lot of really wonky podcasts. So um, <laughs> maybe that that's not not the case so much in, in other genres. I don't know. You bringing it up has just made me think. Actually, I feel like I've heard that a lot. 
<laughs> um, and I, uh, I may have just edited someone's podcast that that did exactly that. But um, no, like uh, a couple actually. Oh, uh, but no, like that. That definitely in things I've just listened to. Um, that is that is very much a trend. It is. I, I, I suspect because it's a very easy formula. It's probably very easy to get on a list of people who need to promote their book, uh, and they're obviously going to be happy to sit and talk. Yeah, yeah. They're they're motivated to do it, yeah. and for if your show doesn't have that major backing behind it it's a good way to get a guest that you might not get otherwise mm-hmm. you know as, as i think about it i i love i love venn diagrams my my co-hosts make fun of me for it all the time <laughs> but i think that the best podcast episodes are when there's a nice overlap between like the goal of the show and the goal of the guests yeah you know when that like sweet spot in the middle is is really what what makes for a good episode and a good conversation yeah that makes um, sense. and that's that that's that's hard to do um because you know everybody has an agenda and trying to figure out where where those things align sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't yeah it makes a lot of sense so because we've just been talking about formulas and and this is kind of a conversation that we had uh with with dan um when when we chatted to him do you do you work to a for you know a, a formula, and I don't mean to be to sort of um, di- you know diminish the, the the show, but do you have sort of um, a structure that each episode is um, going to abide by to make the production process a little bit easier? Yeah, we do. I mean, every every episode is is broken down into to three segments: um, interviews that I do that are, are bookended by my my co hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't. But the, the interviews don't really have a, a specific format um, mm. other than there's there's four questions that I, I always ask at the end that are tied back to something else that our, our institute does. But, um, you know, beyond that, I, I try to always keep that kind of democracy angle in mind. And, um, you know, I had never done a, a broadcast or like a live on air interview before we started our show. I can mm. vividly remember sitting down in the in the chair in the studio for the first time, putting the headphones on, thinking, "I have never done this before. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I've, I've, <laughs> I'm a journalist. I've done interviews for years, mm-hmm. but it's always been for like a written piece or where or where you know something on camera that was going to be cut later or not nothing where like my voice was going to be a central role in mm. it. So that's something that I'm really still kind of struggling with. Um. I don't know if you guys if you guys have any inner like pro interview tips I'll gladly take them. <laughs> I picked up a great one um which is which is great for Skype because you 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 speaking there got me thinking about one of the early um interviews that I did. It wasn't exactly an interview but it had a sort of an interview segment uh, and it was a live show and I'd have a guest on each week. And uh, the first time I had someone on that I sort of knew of and kind of admired a bit and you know i'd emailed them weeks almost months ago and um as the call began i just felt my nervous energy increase uh, more and more and i i'm someone who's very very prone to that um mm. very given over to to the, that nervous energy and um a piece of advice from a book i think it's called the chimp brain um I think it's I think it's called that. Uh and that's certainly the the characterization is that the part of your brain that's like a chimp and you've got to find ways to distract it. And so I found that um <laughs> either writing notes or doodling whilst talking to a guest, which is something you can almost only do on a Skype call, having something that can distract the brain a little bit from spinning out from going, Oh my god, this person's talking over I haven't thought of a question yet. Um can can help when you know when you are spin, spinning your wheels and and I I found that uh, writing notes is good because you can write down 
keywords of what they're saying mm-hmm. and so you're you're still keeping the brain active whilst also engaging in what they're saying a bit of active listening um that that's one of the things that, that i picked up fairly early on that i'm you know i still keep um with me now and, and find useful oh i'll have to try that i i would make when as you were describing and my thought was that Oh, I would get so focused on that that I wouldn't pay attention yeah. to what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I've had that moment too, where someone finishes talking and I'm like, uh, Oh, it's okay. my turn now. <laughs> there was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, my other, um, my other real advice for, uh, f- for interviewing is something that I haven't actually tried, but it seems like it worked really well for Mark is, uh, uh, improv lessons. Mm. Uh, I, yeah, I've, I've had other people suggest that to me too. Yeah. If you, if you need, um, I think a particular, obviously there's very different types of interviews that people do and, and it depends how, how dry you're going to be or how sort of, um, just, you know, by the, by the numbers, I've got some questions and, and they need, and I demand answers. Um, the, the, the sort of shuck and jive probably doesn't matter as much, but certainly, yeah, if you, if you want to have that really engaging thing where you can have a bit of play with, with the conversation, um, and, and even just explore ideas, explore premises for a little bit, then yeah, I mean, you know, a, a six-week um, or eight-week improv course is not going to cost you that much. You'll meet some people mm-hmm. and you'll pick up some skills. I mean, um, that I, I think has has helped me. Um, as, I think, like anything, it's something that you want to try and exercise um, fairly regularly if you can. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it does help. I think. We launched our show fairly quickly. I mean, so I, I was hired into my role in uh, late October of, of 2017. We had our first meeting with the, the radio station in um, December. And then we recorded our first couple of episodes, January, February 2018. And we launched in March 2018. Um, so there wasn't a lot of time to come do a lot of that. Is this right? Is it mm. not? We just kind of said, oh, let's just you know, jump in and <laughs> yeah. do it. Um, in, in hindsight, I wish we would have done a little bit more of that. Um, it's just kind of been like a, like a, you know, guns blazing full speed ahead, um, ever since. But yeah, and if, if you know anything about colleges or universities, things don't tend to happen very quickly. So it was like really lightning speed. <laughs> that, that brings on, um, a, a, a sort of a, a whole slew of, of questioning that I'd love to go down. Mm. And it's, it's stuff that we, we've talked about before and, and I've categorized it as the treadmill of, okay, well, that, that week's episode is done. We only had a few days between editing it or recording it and the time that it actually had to go out. Um, is what you're doing at all time sensitive? Um, or because obviously you're not necessarily doing hot button topics, but you can use mm-hmm. those things to talk about wider issues. So is there a time crunch either because of topicality or just because of the nature of having to put the show together that, you know, you're, you're, you're chasing the calendar or chasing the, the clock to hit the deadline or are you able to work a few weeks in advance? Yeah. So, um, we are in a place deliberately so where we work a few weeks in advance, um, usually two to three weeks. Nice. And I, I found, that's a good balance for like keeping everyone's sanity, not having to like rush through things, yes. um, but also still being able to not have things sit around on the shelf and, and get stale. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we usually record about one episode a week, sometimes two, depending on, on what's happening. Um, and some of the topics are of course more evergreen than others. Like I, I have a few that 
we recorded probably six months ago that haven't aired yet. Um, just kind of waiting for if there ever is a time where something happens or mm-hmm. um, where we, we find ourselves in need of something for one reason or another, um, we can kind of slot in um, things that are, you know, there's one on, on music and democracy, for example, um, that's not really tied to anything current. We don't, there's not a lot of current examples. It's more of like a, a higher level discussion. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things like in the can, so to speak, um, that, that we can come to. But um, there have been, uh, I don't know, a, a handful of times or it's been like, you know, the show is supposed to go up on Monday and I'm like writing the show notes on Saturday night or Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, and I, I don't like to be in that place. No. So I've tried to, to structure things. And sometimes that's where like promo swaps and things can help too. Um, you know, if, if there is someone that wants to do something and I have an open week, just slot something in there. Mm-hmm. So to that then, how do you organize your shows are you a to-do list person spreadsheet person for example we um I, i've put the company on uh, a service called monday.com and we use it for keeping track of issues with the website and then other things as well uh, and one of those is that all the podcasts that i professionally produce including this one are in a a, a board and so all of the um, all of the episodes have have a row uh, each where I can put in my audio, the guest's audio, Brendan's audio, a separate file, so I know they're all somewhere safe and, you know, put all the dates of when they're recording, the dates they're going to go out and all that kind of stuff to try and keep everything sane. Um, do you have an approach like that? Yeah, um, I use Trello. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and, you know, every episode has a card. I, I have a workflow that has maybe eight or 10 different columns in it from like ideas. So if we're talking and there's, you know, we have a a nugget of an idea or someone sends a a link to an article, I can just make a card and kind of throw notes in there. Then it goes through our scheduling and booking the guest and um, our our production process with the the radio station. Um, You can attach files to cards from Box or from Google Drive. Um, Penn State has a, a university-wide box license, so um, we tend to use Box for our file storage and then link the cards um, back to Trello for, for audio and for, for final episodes and things like that. Um, so that's, that's worked well for us. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us, Jenna. Where can people find you and your work online yeah so um democracy works is at democracyworkspodcast.com or search democracy works in your favorite podcast app um so this, this was a lot of fun guys i i really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you that's oh, a real pleasure it's wonderful yeah. having you absolutely mark what's your what's your podcast week ahead look like Ooh, i'm i'm going to continue figuring out what the hell i'm going to do in 10 weeks uh when beware of the leopard finishes um and whether i do a countdown yeah oh yeah very much um um, so yeah, that, that's the estimated time given the, the number of topics that we've got left in the list. Yeah, uh, and so we're, we're going to have some sort of special event to uh, fun uh, to, to to you know as a final episode, uh, and then after that, I've got to figure out whether I'm going to interview a bunch of kids authors and just crib a bunch of ideas off them, um, <laughs> or I'm going to share my uh, writing work each week in um, chapter form and, and put it out that way because. Uh, 
I, I can only choose one, so I better choose wisely. Yeah, you're probably not going to want to do both on the same feed. <laughs> I don't think the kids. Oh are no, no, no! Certainly that. not. Certainly not. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, what, what, what about yourself? I'm, I'm at podchaser.com as a podcast librarian, and you can look forward to all the different lists of curated podcasts on there. Um, I'm also at Podcast Advocate if you want to just reach out for some personalized recommendations. Bitrate is produced and presented by Brandon Hutchins and Mark Stedman. Find links to all the things at bitratepod.com. Thanks to Jenna from the Democracy Works podcast. Now stay tuned for a chat with author and podcaster Yuli Zalko. This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podientproductions.com.